Hi, this is Matthew Cutler-Welsh with the Passive House Accelerator, and thanks for tuning in to this special bonus episode of the Passive House podcast recorded live at FearsCon 23 here in Houston, Texas. And a big thanks to Zola Windows for their support of this series. Grateful to be uh, sitting here with Jesse Hunt. How are you going, Jesse? Doing very well. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for showing us around your house the other day. Uh, it, was, it was great to be part of the, the tour. How did you feel about 50 people coming to visit? It was very exciting. Um, it's really cool to have a group of people that were already primed for this, the statistics that I wanted to tell. Yeah. Um, there was less education and more like, ooh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for those that haven't seen it, yeah. give us a, a quick description of the house. Sure. Uh, it's two shared wall townhomes and kind of one big structure. Uh, it's on a single family lot. It's designed to be a repeatable project. So it's designed for the most typical lot size in Houston, which is a 50 by 100. It's two stories with a very large conditioned attic above it and a carport in the front with a big long porch in the front and like a green roof on the side of that. And I enjoy the green, the very flowering green roof at the yeah. moment. It's very, very nice. Um, and how would you describe the area that, that you're in? Yeah, the homes are in a neighborhood in Houston called Edo, which is east downtown. It is a very quickly gentrifying area. I think this was years ago that I saw the statistic, but it was the third fastest gentrifying zip code in the country economically. Uh, so it's changing a lot. Um, it was on a very empty street, though, like a forgotten street with empty homes. You saw some of the empty homes are still there. There's new construction happening since I've been there. Um, so things are kind of changing quickly in front of your face. But I'm um, a really cool up-and-coming area, um, very connected as well for from a pedestrian and biking standpoint, um, which is kind of the anti-Houston yeah. uh, vibe. Most yeah. people think of this place as just highways. Um, so... Really, really intentional there, too. Um, it's between protected bike lanes. It's a block from the metro rail, which takes you straight downtown. Um, just like, yeah, good location that way. I mean, it, for me, I landed the airport here in Houston, got a bus downtown, mm-hmm. and downtown here is no, like nowhere I've ever been. It's just tall towers and, and parking garages and yeah. roads. Yeah. Um, you, but where your house is, it's, it's what, less than two miles from... Yeah, the, four the, minute drive, but yeah. it's a completely different uh, environment out there. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's a whole other world. Yeah. Um, are you nervous about having the best house in the worst street at the moment? <laughs> um. Well, I live there, so I'm not that nervous, right? <laughs> uh, I think that Houston has always been peppered neighborhoods that have areas or individual homes that are just forgotten about or vacant next to homes that are not. And that's, believe it or not, like pretty normal in neighborhoods in Houston. Um, there are like much more affluent areas that every single block is going to be completely built out. But um, the east side has a lot of variety when it comes to what's going on over there. And you may well know we don't have zoning in Houston. 
This is the only city. It was a bit of a conversation in yeah. the bus. It's like, how does it happen? Uh, right. Yeah. And I kind of have to explain that, yes, craziness can happen. But the idea there is we do have regulation. We do have building codes, right? And the city of Houston is actually about to adopt ICC 2021, which is great. But um, the idea is that the market is supposed to kind of regulate itself. And in many ways it does. So by no zone, that means that anyone can build anything next door to you? It means across the street, those two homes that are about to be demolished because they're condemned um, could become a commercial building Mm -hmm. in a residential neighborhood. Right. And uh, the idea is that that, in theory, is self-limiting. Yeah, the idea is that it wouldn't be profitable to do the very, very wrong thing. Yeah. Now, you're... Background, you're a techni- technical background, you're an architect by trend? I pretend to be one during the day. Right. Um, I got passionate about sustainability um, via being a Peace Corps volunteer abroad, building water systems. And um, I also worked with my hands and was building, but also passionate about the human side of sustainability and thought that the built environment was the best place to focus my energy. Yeah. So um, I was lucky enough to... Um, get some graduate level education in sustainability abroad um, in France and Germany and saw some really cool stuff in like Freiburg and um, was then able to kind of sneak in the back door of a commercial architecture firm, Paris Brown Architecture. It's been a great experience there um, and learned a lot about um, every trade basically as a, as a sustainability consultant, you have to kind of speak everybody's language, whether it's mechanical engineering or plumbing or, contractor speak or or what have you so um really learned a lot of um what was you know essential skills for you know what i was able to do on this on this little project of mine but you've you acknowledged that you basically became a developer for this project so how was that transition going from um architect to to developer it's been a long process it didn't take too long um, doing lead projects that I realized that you could do a commercial office building by, and make it a certified lead project with changing very, very little in the building. And that the, um, the code baselines for lead projects are so low that you're achieving points for energy just by building a code-built building. And so that was very frustrating to me early on, and I had to look elsewhere i said where is performance and i found passive house and um powers brown supported me in going and chasing something that has the word house in it um (laughs) as a commercial architecture firm um, in my education and getting my cphc back in 2018 right so it wasn't something that they offered as part of their practice yeah so they weren't there just wasn't clients for it Mm. no one's asking for it Um, but i was really really passionate about it and spent years trying to talk to commercial clients about it and was just not finding the right client in this market. We really just don't have a lot of passive building in the South, as you know. Well, you're the first, right? You're the first, the first, first in Houston. Houston. Yeah. 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 And technically the first multifamily project in Texas. Yeah. Um, so I knew early on, let's call it six, seven years ago, like the only way I'm going to do this is I'm going to have to learn the development side of this. Someone has to make the math has to work to make the project successful. As and, in the accounting math, not just the yeah the building science math. Right. So um, if I'm going to do this myself, I 
I'm not a rich person. I don't have a lot of money. So I'm going to have to raise money from individuals. I'm going to have to convince them that building a spec passive house is a good idea. It could be a profitable venture and that I can pull it off. And so I had to learn first. It was, I had to learn finance and I had to learn real estate and I had to learn about investing. And, and I've done that through my own um, investing on the side, but getting into development was really the only path for me a long time ago. And there were false starts along the way that I'm really glad didn't happen. I was trying to bite off projects that were too big, you know, ideas that were too big. I wanted to do a net zero warehouse to office conversion. I thought that would right. be a really cool thing to do. And, and I'm in glad Texas. And here in Texas, because yeah. we have a lot of old warehouses. Yeah. Um, and especially on the east side, it's historically an industrial working part of town. Yeah. So I'm glad that those didn't happen, but they taught me a lot along the way about working with the right people, building relationships. And I really think that the only way to do this is to build community and make a lot of friends along the way. And so I've been very, very, very focused on those two things is building community here in Houston around me and around the idea of Passive House as the president of our FIAS Alliance chapter here as well, just really trying to resource share along the way and make sure that um, my learnings are, are not somebody else's. You know, I'm, I've, we've, we've made mistakes along the way, even on this project, that um, I really hope that, you know, nobody else has to make the same mistakes twice. Because it's a difficult, this is a low cost of construction market with installers and trades that are um, just not highly educated in terms of like building science or um, commissioning of things, coming back and making sure that things are performing the way that they're supposed to. These are all new concepts here, especially in the residential market. What would you say to someone uh, wanting to do something similar? Here or elsewhere or anywhere? Uh, specifically, well, around Houston, but maybe around Texas, around a similar environment, uh, a similar climate, but also a similar space where you're one of the leaders. Yeah. It's all so market to market. I love talking to other people about what things cost in Austin versus here and figuring out how there's such a massive disconnect in this cost of construction. I would just recommend that um, de depending on where your skills are, you know, utilize what you have and then find partners that have completely complementary skill sets to, to your own and make them your friends, make them your community. Um, early on in my Houston career, knowing that I wanted to be a developer, I started surrounding myself with guys that were building houses already. And I was very jealous for a long time and they were years ahead of me in their journey. So I've taken so much of their experience and woven it into mine along the way. And I just have this amazing tool in my pocket full of contact information of yeah. a large group of people that have done things that I'm already trying to do that I'm constantly texting. Yeah. And so for somebody to be new to passive house or just building in general, just surrounding yourself with that network that you can leverage and offer as much as you can to these people of your skills for free because you're going to be asking for that when you get to a point in a project that you're at a, you know, an impasse. And I think you raise a really good point about the whole need for a development mindset with, with 
uh, intelligence and knowledge around financing. It's pretty easy to network in a, at a conference like this when you're surrounded by architects and builders, mm-hmm. but there's not too many financiers here or, or developers and, and builders, and that's probably a really important part where you need to reach out of the comfort zone and, and, and that network to, to find people in, that can help you in that space as well. Absolutely. And um, in, at this conference, I almost can guarantee you that development is a dirty word. Right. People think of that as the evil moniker. Uh-huh. Um, you've got some old white guy making decisions and they're not going to be for high performance, yeah. right? They're going to be purely financial. And yeah. I don't think that has to be the case. It's always been my belief that you can do the right thing and still make money. And so that was the whole point of this project is to do the biggest small project I could bite off. And I always dreamed of living in it. I didn't, it was never a guarantee, but now I get to live in it. You've moved in. Well, you're moved in the in. process of moving in. I moved in like four or five weeks ago. Yeah. And it's wonderful from a, um, indoor occupant experience. I've lived in very old homes my whole life. So the stark difference is pretty amazing. My wife is in love with it. Yeah. There were a lot of things that, you know, when she saw the size of the ventless laundry machines, she, uh, gasped and said a word that I, a few words I probably shouldn't repeat, right? Family show, yeah. But once you start using the machines and you're living in it, it's just, it's, well, it, it works. I mean, and, it was, it was pretty warm, uh, yeah. on Tuesday mm-hmm. and it was very pleasant inside next door to you, to you, where you, where you showed us through. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super comfortable. Yeah. It's wonderful. The, and you had 50 people in there, right? <laughs> 50 it's, people and we were in there a while and yeah. and even uh, I thought the CO2 was going to spike a little harder than it did but it it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's people coming and going but yeah, uh, yeah I mean there's some impressive systems in there so it'll be great and I assume you you're monitoring it. Uh, the air? Yeah. So there was an air monitor in there when we were there. Um, the VOCs are a little higher than I thought they were going to be. I was really careful with like everything. Um paint floors you name it like yeah. i specify this stuff in commercial architecture projects all day every day so i know all of the standards yeah um and they're there and i'm i'm an open book with like cost data like you name it like yeah. i'm not going to pretend like it's not unhealthy voc levels but they're higher than the lowest kind of rung yeah it'll be um, interesting to see, and see it might have to do with the furniture i brought in the house Who yeah knows? yeah totally you yeah. know Hey, well, thank you. Um, thanks for your time uh, on course, Tuesday my and opening up the home. It was it was a really great yeah. visit, uh, and and to have you build it there as well. We haven't really talked about yeah, him. we God, we have to talk about him before you go, David Edgar. Having somebody who I found, by the way, through this conference two years ago, certified passive house builder, but has was building in New York for thirty years with his own company. His ability to um, coach the trades all the way through this entire project is absolutely paramount to it being successful. Yeah. I mean, when you were talking previously about working with someone with complementary strengths, mm-hmm. you mentioned that explicitly about him mm-hmm. uh, and, and he could see that when, when he was on site and yeah. you're sort of even describing the houses bouncing off each other and, uh, and telling the whole story it was almost like you needed both of you there to get the whole story of, of the hundred percent. Yeah, we are we are gasoline on fire when we work together. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, and that I think um, amplifies what you were saying about the importance of that 
that that's a big part of your community that you, you know, is, is those relationships and the team that you, you build for a project like that. Hundred percent. Um, well, and and also I want to say thanks for for that going on that journey. I mean, two years since you met him, but twenty eighteen. What's that like? Five years since you even started down this path and yeah, uh, come to come to fruition now. So I'm looking forward to catching up with you again. 